0: Praise the Lord. All right. All right. Well, we are, we are thrilled to be here. I, I think I get a, an amen from that one. We are thrilled. Some of us didn't get in until late last night because they decided to take some lefts and some rights instead of straight, but it's all right. We're here. And we're excited. I just told her, I said, it's south of Dallas, so I don't know what else to tell you. Just keep going south. But um, we're so grateful for the opportunity to come here this morning and be here. It's a beautiful, beautiful town. We may not leave. I don't know how everybody else is getting back home, but I may just stick around for a while. Um, we have known Jim for a, for a long time, and I can tell you this He is a man that when he speaks you pay attention um, He's a breath of fresh air to all of all of the crew that has come with me But i'm gonna go ahead and introduce who we have here. We have Justin Justin's gonna do a an altar for me here in just a little while um, And then my husband tony and then miss tracy and then miss mindy, and then i've got three kids back there um, and um just between you and me, I think my 15-year-old is crushing on the Corsi's 15-year-old. I'm just telling you. Just, I'm just saying. When, when, when <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, there it is. <laughs> okay, but anyway, um, I'm going to be taking our text this morning from uh, the book of Luke, chapter 10. And we're going to start with verse 25. But before I get to that, I just want to give you all kind of a back background as to why I'm here before you this morning. Um, Each one of us have a story, and um, we're all on a journey together. Sometimes we don't realize that we're on this journey together until our paths intersect, and then we go, aha, nice to meet you. Um, But it starts with the author and the finisher of our faith is our Lord Jesus Christ. And some of us may not want to tell all of our story. We may not want to give you the the lowlights, just the highlights of how good God has been to us and the mercy that he's shown. But my background is I'm church-grown. I'm, I'm, I'm a church-grown... I, I, I wish I could say I was born saved, but some spiritual people really frown at me. <clears throat> but some people think that I was born saved. I was not. But I was definitely born legal. I can tell you that. I was born very legalistic. Lots of do's and don'ts. Lots of rules and regulations. And um, the freedom of the Lord only came if it was scheduled. If we decided we were going to have good singing that night or good preaching that night, then somebody could let their hair down and we would schedule in freedom. But to walk in freedom was very difficult for me. Um, I, I stand here this morning. It's a, to me, it's a wonder I'm even saved. Because I have dealt with some of the most sharpest tongued Christians. Sometimes I, I wonder how I even still have a spine that it didn't get pulled from my back. And they could shout, and they could pray. And honestly, what gets me the most, they could hear from God. <laughs> how in the world is God talking to you? God don't even like you. <laughs> how, how are you hearing from him? But that's, that's our God. So I feel like I'm not especially equipped To bring what I'm going to bring to you, but I want to share with you the journey of how it is that I got to this message. Um, Where I stand now is I care for a little less than the harvest of God. There's very, very little things that I care more about than seeing souls come to Christ. And the reason that is, is because the journey that the Lord has put me on has been one of revelation, of truth, self-reflection. Do I really want this Jesus as my Lord and Savior, as my King? Yes, I do. Um, my, My desire is to finish this all the way out, look over my shoulder and say, I finished my course because he was faithful. When I was down, when I was up, he was always constant with me. And we live in a very dark time. It blows my mind that we live in the same civilization where we have smartphones and beheadings in the Middle East. I don't get it, but that's where we are. We can, we can Google anything, which is a verb and a noun, <clears throat> but yet we still have this archaic spirit where we want to rule and put our thumb over others when we were not created to rule over one another. We were created to interact with one another, to build, to lock arms, to be side by side, and to do things, great things, for one another and with one another. But we live in a very divisive society, and there's a lot of hate in this world, and it ought not be so, and it certainly shouldn't be so in the body of Christ. So I'm going to share with you my story. I am not a gamer. Do I have any people that like to play video games other than the the young guys? All right. right. Gamers. All right. What what time we need to be out of here? Because, Lord, I can talk about Jesus all day. What what time we got? Y'all need to let somebody give me something. Somebody. Justin, keep me honest. Okay. I'm going to try to be quick on this part because I want to get to the scripture. Okay. Um, I'm I'm not a gamer. My husband, you know, some people do golf. Some people do other things. You know, my husband, he comes and relaxes. He gets on a you know, whatever, and he does some stuff. Over the years, it's been different things, computers and stuff like that. Now it's, a, it's in the PlayStation world. And, I, you know, for a long time, I'd fold my arms, and I'd just grim and grimace. And you know, we could be painting. We could be doing this. We could be doing that. You could be rubbing my shoulders. You could be doing something else, you know, she's playing a stupid game. And then I just gave up, you know, I thought, oh, this is the world in which I live. But our, my catalyst to this particular story happens to be Pastor Jim. Because, like I said, when he says something, I pay attention. I think very highly of Jim and Joy. And so we're Facebook friends, which means we're like this. <laughs> but he happened to get on Facebook, and, he, and, and I believe it was when he was a youth pastor. And he had said a couple, of, a couple of youth names, and he said, how about this? And it was a link to the Destiny video game. And so I just thought, well, you know, my boys, I have two boys, and, um, and then my husband. I thought, well, this might be something they're interested in. So I clicked just to see. If it Interested? Jim, I want to see what it's all about. So I looked at it, and there's these characters running around, and I thought, that actually looks really cool. It's too bad I don't even know what to do. So I asked my son, I said, come look at this video. i will show you this, this commercial. And he goes, Mom, I've already got it on pre-order. It'll be here in September. I went, well, Of course you do. And so, but brother-husband didn't know about it. He's like, whoa. (laughs) And so, needless to say, it comes into our home. My husband's getting, I met my son's about to ready to go to college. He's going to school in Waco. And I think, you know what? I could interact. I could get on this. I could, you know, maybe play with my son while he's in college or whatever, off and on, just this, that, and the other. We got headsets. We're going to talk. And so I, I said, I told my husband, I said, I need, I need a character. Help me think of a character and all this, that, and the other. And then one day he's, I come in and he's actually on headset and he's talking to somebody, but it's not our, our, my kid. And I thought it was something you could program person to person. I didn't realize that online meant online, like Japan online. And so, so he's talking. So I said, who are you talking to? Are you talking to Luke? And he's like, no. And he points to the screen and I look at, there's a little name on the screen. And I'm like, that's a person. And he's like, yeah. And I, oh, you don't know. I went, what a wonderful fishing hole. And I thought, I can talk to real life people. And he's like, yeah. And I went, I, I definitely want to get on. So we came up with a name for me because I wanted, I wanted to be intentional. I'm a very intentional person. And so we came up with a name for me as counselor. Actually, I have a master's degree in counseling. You wouldn't know it, but I do. And um, so I thought, I'm, I'll be counselor because maybe, just maybe, I know this is a long shot because these are guys, they just want to get on, they just want to play, they don't want to have group therapy online playing a stupid game. You know, they don't want some super saint coming along trying to save the day. You know, they want, you know, do you got skill and can you help me meet, meet this level? I'm, whatever, I'll try. But in my mind, I'm thinking, Lord, if you could set something up, I know it's a long shot, but maybe somebody somewhere would be interested and say, are you really? And I'd say, yes, I am. And they'd say, okay, here's my problem. And then little by little, I'd walk out a process and I had it all figured out. And then one day I'm actually playing, it was about a year ago, and he tells me, he goes, you're never going to get good if you do not get better equipment. I said, I don't know what to do to get better equipment. He goes, you need to do a raid, Uh, whatever. So he goes, you and I can do it together for just so long, but we can get you some equipment. He goes, but we're going to need other people to help us. I'm like, okay. So I'm nervous. I'm scared because these are uptight. These are uptight people. I don't know if you've ever seen people play video games. They are uptight. They take it very, very serious, very seriously. I'm not. I'm silly. I don't want to be uptight over a video game. So, you know, it's like watching soap operas back in the 80s. <laughs> you know, it's just like you know, your whole world falls apart. <laughs> what? So. Anyway, so they're, he's playing, playing, and then this guy comes on. His name's Gen X. He gets on there, and he goes, hey, and, you know, Tony's like, you know, hey, listen, because he knows I'm nervous. These are, these are top-tier players. And he goes, listen, now, we're, I'm just here to get counselor through. Don't take this serious. We're just kind of clowning around. He's like, okay, cool, man. I'll help you. And then here comes this other name, and his name's Raging Overlord. I'm like, oh, Lord Almighty. <laughs> he's got this real deep voice, and he goes, hey. And then Tony's like, hey, Raging." I'm just here with counselor. We're just, don't take this serious. This isn't a serious raid. We're just trying to see if we can get her a little bit better equipment. He's like, cool, I'll help her. I'm like, I, I'm muted the whole time because I don't want to say nothing. I don't want to do nothing. I just want to stand. I died over and over and over again. And your little ghost orb shows up telling people that she's dead again. And so, and he's off saving the world. I don't know what he's doing. He never showed up to revive me one time. And, um. and, so, but this Rage and Overlord, kept, I kept seeing his little character, and he'd zip around across the whole map. He'd come and revive me, and I'd pop back up, and I'd start shooting. I'd die right immediately again. I think, this is exhausting and extremely stressful. I'm like, Lord, help me. Well, Rage and Overlord, his name popped up, and it said, sent you a friend request. I said, Raging, did you just send me a friend request? And he goes, yes, ma'am, I did. I went, oh, what does that mean? He goes, well, now you and I can talk more. We can play more if you'd like to. Oh, okay. I'm busy. I'm doing things. I don't get on a whole lot. We're still doing stuff, this, that, and the other. But one time, it's early in the morning. It's summer. The kids are out of school. I'm up. I'm getting off. I'm just going to clown around a little bit. I get on. I sneak on. And he's on. He's up. He gets on, and he comes, and he joins me. And he goes, hi. I say, hi. And when his name showed up, something stirred in my spirit. And I felt the Lord ask me, can you love him? And I was like, well, yeah, I can love him. I mean, I, I deal with a lot of young adults. We're youth sponsors. We deal with a lot of young adults. And I, I hang out with young adults. I go to movies with young adults, eat pizza with young adults. I'm trying to stay young. I'm trying very, very, very hard not to get older. <clears throat> so I, I, keep them, I, I keep them around me, you know. I don't know anything what they're talking about. <laughs> but I try to keep them around me. I said, yes, Lori, I can love them. And he goes, no, I'm. I'm going to ask you to really love him unconditionally. I'm going to ask you to put everything on the line. And I'm like, I'm like a challenge. Like, oh, the Lord's calling me. This is, this is awesome. And I said, yes, Lord, I'll love him. And he goes, he'll break your heart. And I'm like, okay. Okay. So we would play throughout the summer off and on here and there. August 25th of last year I go take Michaela to meet the teacher night and we're playing my daughter my oldest daughter's there there's four of us playing together we're just kind of clowning around they 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 happen to take note um that we're we're civilized players (laughs) and um I leave, and I said, guys, I got I to gotta go, but I'll come back and get back on if y'all are still on. We'll still play, because I knew what the Lord had been telling me, so I, now I'm paying attention to everything he says. And there were, over the summer months, he had dropped some hints that his life was not a good life. He had home problems. He had family problems. So I'm, I'm, I'm picking up on stuff here and there. And I come back, and he goes, counselor, and I said, yes. He goes, can I talk to you later about some things? I said, Absolutely. So when I come back, I get back on. I go, I go to another system, and I, we, we have some private time, and that's where he, he lets me know his whole dark world. And without telling you everything there is to know about, about Ragin', let me just tell you this. He's like a desert with very hard, dry ground. And I could take a water truck out there, and I could water that earth all day, and within just a few hours, it would be dried right back up. He's in a lot of darkness. And he shared with me his world. And the Lord, and I told him, I said, Ragin, let me just tell you, I have never told you anything about who I am or what I am. I'm a licensed minister. You know that I'm a counselor. But I haven't told you anything about my background. I said, let me just tell you, I have one goal for you, and that is lead you to Jesus Christ as your Savior. I said, I'm not going to play around with you. I don't want to manipulate you. I don't want to be friends with you. And then six months, I lower the boom on you. And I say, by the way, if we're going to keep being friends, you got to get saved. Because you have to understand, I'm fighting my legal spirit. Little cussing teenage kid. And I'm wanting to just step on him and say, get right. The Lord's asking me to walk with him. The hardest thing God's ever asked me to do is walk alongside this kid and I said but I want to be I want to be upfront with you. I said I'm not going to push and I'm not going to pull. I'm going to walk right beside you and see where the journey goes. I said but my goal is for you to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, "Okay." <laughs> so then it became, "Here's my number. Text me when you need something." So then it became prayer. Then it became he knew my name. Then it came Joni I I just want to take a gun to my head tonight. It became those kinds of conversations where he felt like he had a confidant in me. In Luke, how in the world did I get to Ezekiel? I just had it on Luke. (laughs) Hang on, that might be the Lord telling me something (laughs) in Ezekiel. In Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 25, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and put him to the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law, how does it read to you? And he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. We're never done with the Lord, are we? We always got to put something else in there. But this lawyer said, wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? What's the parameters? Where's my boundaries? Where's my limitations? Who's my neighbor? I need you to, let's let's, let's cut to the quick, Jesus. Let's get real simple. Who's my neighbor? Jesus replied and said, a certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers. They stripped him, they beat him. And they went off leaving him half dead. And by chance, a certain priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his wounds. "'pouring oil and wine on them. "'And he put him on his own beast "'and brought him to an inn and took care of him. "'And on the next day he took out two denarii "'and gave them to the innkeeper and said, "'Take care of him, and whatever more you spend "'when I return, I will repay you. "'Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor "'to the man who fell into the robber's hands?' "'And he said to him, he said, "'The one who showed mercy toward him. "'And Jesus said to him, Go, and do the same. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for your word. I'm so grateful and privileged. Just have mercy on me, my sweet friend. Have mercy on me today, Lord. Anoint me one more time to tell this story, tell your story. And to be exactly where and how you want and need me to be, Lord. Bless these precious people with your presence. God, if we've got your presence, we've got everything. But make this clear to us, Lord, I pray. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So, Ragin and I become a whole lot more close. I get to learn his world. I learn about his parents. I learn about his family. I learn about his his upkeeping. Um, He shares with me a lot of things he has never shared with anybody else. And things he would be ashamed if, and I I wouldn't dare share them here. But things that he would be embarrassed and, and ashamed of, but he's felt comfortable enough to do so with me. Um, I, I've asked the Lord over, over 20 years' worth of ministry. There have been a lot of things I've been excited about. There have been places I've been excited to go, people I've been excited to meet, things I've been excited to do, but let me just tell you, it's always been centered around the I. I get to preach. I get to go. I get to see. I get to meet. Until this. And the Lord has really been stripping away a lot of my pride, a lot of my, not just the same legal stuff that I told you I grew up with, but even that, that false, that piety that we sometimes get. We, we think that we're noble in the things in the cause of Christ when we're really still just prideful and arrogant. And um, sometimes we, we think that nobility is always God's will. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Um, so I had, to, I had to be removed from the center of me and become more self-aware and less self-centered. Does that make sense? <clears throat> to do that, the Lord had to share with me this kid's walk because everything about him, in fact, I told him, I said, you offend me daily. <laughs> I said, There's so many things that you do, so many things that you say that are just offensive to me. And I said, but I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm here for the long haul with you for this commitment. And he's been very... Very willing to listen to me talk about the Lord. He didn't, didn't believe in God. He didn't believe in Jesus. He, but one day he did say this. He goes, I believe your God is love. And I felt like Jesus with Peter. I said, the flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but the Spirit of God did. Well, I said, where did you hear that? He goes, you're not church. Where would you hear that God is love? He goes, that's just the way I've always felt. I've always felt that the God of Jesus was love. And I thought, from your mouth to God's ears. I said, Lord, help me to build on that. And it's been a process of God teaching me how to love somebody that's not lovable. And I've never felt like I could ever be typology, like a type of Christ in Scripture. I've never felt like I could be, you know, the Abraham and the Isaac or the David or something like that and be a shadow of Christ. But I find myself in that incredible position where I'm learning that, I, that like what we do with God, I've been experiencing with rage and I've been marginalized Counselor, will you pray for me? I'm I'm in a dark spot with my dad right now. Sure, we'll pray. Then I'll hear from him for two weeks. And I'm like, don't you understand? You have nothing. You have nothing. You have no wisdom. You have no knowledge. You have no passion. You have no life. You spend 10, 12 hours in a video game. You're a high school dropout. You don't even have a driver's license. You have nothing I want. is that just like us with God? We have nothing to give God, but yet I kept looking at my phone. Hey, how's he going to text me? He's got a need He has to need me. <laughs> there's, surely there's something he needs from me today. And then nothing. And then all of a sudden, my phone will go off, and it's, "Hey, and I'm like, "Hey, friend, what's going on? Nothing? I'll talk to you later. So-and-so's over. We're going to get high. The Lord called me to this purpose, where I am now with this ministry, because everything else I consider lost, guys. Every place I've been, the mentors I've had, the preachings that I've preached, every, everything's, it's, that's yesterday, it's gone. What I have right here is today, and God is calling me to challenge the church of Christ to be equipped with love. Because this world is hateful. We live in a throwaway society. We don't care about the babies in the womb. We don't care about the babies outside of the womb. There is abuse running rampant. There is neglect. There is abuse. There are things that are happening in homes that would blow your mind. You think, how can the human heart get to that point? That is the human heart. But love says that while you were in that condition, while you were in that sinful state, I still loved you. That God said that whosoever will, he sent his son because of the love he has for the lost and for those that are shrouded in darkness. Guys, they can't see the door in the room. It's too dark. They don't even know if there is a door in the room. And if the light were to break in, it would be so offensive to them. They'd immediately want to cover their eyes. That's where we are. We live in a society that is extremely, extremely divisive. In our own churches, we're dividing classes and society and civilized people and, and the way people dress or the way they talk or the the, the side of the street they, they come from or whatever it is it's you're with them and we used to call them cliques back in the 90s. I don't know what we call them now. Some of you historians can give me another name for it, but we used to we used to click around and and try and figure out who was the in person in church and there's certain people we don't want to touch, there's certain people we don't want in our congregations. We just don't. But we want to act as the oh Lord bless them. Lord bless them. Oh, look at them. But we don't want to hurt with them. We don't want to cry with them. We don't even want to do that for the backslider. Oh, they had their chance. They knew better. You know, some backsliders don't ever want to come back to the Lord because they feel like they deserve the punishment that they're getting and that hell should be their home. But how would you ever come up to a backslider that's done some of the most horrible things? turned from God. I mean, willfully, intentionally turned from God. And they don't feel like there's any breadcrumbs crumbs back. And the church just says, well, you had your chance with the Lord. You know better. And we, point, we pound scripture at them. Well, better to have never loved, known the Lord than to have known even turned away. You know, stinks to be you. And that's not love. Love is where your heart pounds. Love is where you got goosebumps. Love is where tears are shed. Love is where the hair stands on the back of your neck. When they're doing awesome and when they're doing bad. That's when the love needs to rage is when they're in their lowest spot, when they're in their darkest spot. Everybody tips a good waitress. But the ones that are just no good at it, and I've been a waitress. (laughs) Please have mercy on them you don't know. <laughs> you just They got to clean the men's bathrooms at the end of the night. Tip them. <laughs> be good to them. As good as you can possibly be. Be good to them. Let it go. Just be free. But God is wanting his love to rage, and he can only do that in this earth through those that are willing to say, God, take over. Let, let, let your love begin to rage in me. So he named this, I don't call it a ministry, but he named this equipping, if I can say it that way. And he named it after raging, which I thought was really cool. Let love rage. And I just tell you, those three words right there are a message for every one of us in in our own hearts. Because God will take that seed and he will do something in your heart. Just those three words with the people that you interact with in your work, in your family, in your home if you would begin to rage your love like God has raged his love towards us, that it was violent, it was violent to see his son bleed on that cross. It was violent to see him be pierced and to be stripped and to be naked and to be exposed. That is a raging love, and nothing else on this planet has that. There is no religion where a king steps down from his throne and takes on the sins of the world and dies under the weight and the bearing of that, but lives victorious because he himself knew no sin. There's no religion that does that, but it's our faith in Christ Jesus that reminds us that his love is too big, it's too deep, it's too vast, it's too much. But yet we marginalize it to just, I'll pray for you, and we'll, have, we'll pass. I'm, guys, I'm done. We're to the point where we have to step out and really make some stuff happen. It's time to be creative, it's time to be intentional. It's time to put a mark on somebody in your family or somebody at work or somebody at school or people that you interact with here and there. It's time to put a bullseye on them and say in your spirit, I'm going after them. I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna scrap, I'm gonna claw till my nails are gone and my fingers are bloody nubs. I'm going to pursue them to the ends of their decision. But I'm not giving up. I'm gonna rage against everything that the world tells me. I'm even gonna rage against the conventional wisdom that the church says that really, field of dreams, build it, they'll come. No, they're not. We haven't told them that they're welcome. We haven't told them that there's a place for them. We haven't told them that they can just be, just breathe in this room, and I will love you. In all of your hot mess, in all of your misery, in all of your hypocrisy, in all of your lying, and and you're trying to make it on your own, I'm going to love you because I see me in you. I'm not that far. Not one person in this room, we are one decision away from either getting closer to God or farther away. One decision, one temptation, one slip. And we walk around and we parade as though we have some kind of inside track or some kind of corner in heaven as though that's ours exclusively. It's the the best table in the restaurant. We don't serve. We don't have a servant's heart anymore. We divide one another against each other. We slander one another. We've become just like the world. We look like the world. We talk like the world. We address issues and stress like the world. Instead of saying, I have a way, and it's the way maker. This Samaritan was beat down. Can you imagine it in real time? Imagine that in real time. He's just going on his way, and he comes along some thugs. And they beat him down. They leave him for dead. And here comes the person that's supposed to have the compassion. The priest. It's what he gets paid for. He couldn't even do his job. Forget the compassion part of it. Wouldn't even check to see if it was a parishioner. Wouldn't even see if it was somebody in his church. Goes on the other side. And then one like it, a Levite. Coming along, just I'm messing with that. I don't got, I don't got time. It goes on the other side, leaves them, nothing. Think about nothing. And here comes the Samaritan. Remember, they're the, they're the low of of the area. They're the ones that y'all 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 aren't, y'all aren't up. You're you're less. You're the less of humanity. Here comes the Samaritan checking for pulse, looking and seeing, binds, and and does what he can at the moment in real time, in in, in a real moment, in a real way, not knowing anything about him. Didn't ask him if he was a Democrat or a Republican, because some of us wouldn't change the tire on somebody if we found out what their political affiliation was. Don't ever ask. Just help somebody. Vanilla or chocolate? Both, praise the Lord. (laughs) I'm a Neapolitan kind of girl, whatever, I'll help you, I'll help you. He didn't, he didn't qualify that person. That person was already bleeding and dying on the Jericho Road. That qualified some help. And his love towards humanity, his love towards him is, is what compelled him to do what he could at the moment. Then he put himself on his own horse and this man walked the journey to the end Put him up and set him up, did everything that he needed to do. And he said, "And when I come back, whatever has been needed that you've taken care of in addressing it, whatever doctors you've brought in, whatever kind of help, supplies, I'll pay you when I get back. First thing that was required when you're going to love people, and God's going to ask you, are you going to equip yourself to love in this dark era? Because it's bleak, guys. Nobody's loving anybody anymore. We're throwing people away, but we have to look at the world through the lens of God. We're all a mess. We're all broken. None of us are doing right. There's not one righteous. God's going to ask for your time because you're going to have to stop and you have to look at people in the eye and you're going to have to ask them for their sake, not yours. This isn't, some, this isn't some super saint conceit trip where, well, Lord, look what I've done. Look who I've helped. Look at the orphans that I've, you know, and I volunteer at the AIDS clinic, and I do this, and I do that, and I do whatever. Can you look them in the eye and say, I love you? I'm hurting with you. Because if you put all of the, if you put all of the glory on what you're willing to do instead of your motive of the heart of why you do it, to let the love of God rage in a society where there is no love, then when that person slips, you'll jump off the train. We all have a get-off point. Can I just tell you my story with raging? The Lord said he's going to break your heart. I'm like, I'm ready. No, I wasn't ready. Okay? One day he says, there's something I want to confess to you, but I don't know how you're going to take it. Let me just tell you, that day I'd already talked to a lesbian that was wanting to adopt a child. <laughs> I was... Bring it. <laughs> okay, what you got? I was hoping it was going to be something simple, but I really expected he's killed people. And, um, you know, he's buried the bodies in his backyard. <laughs> and he's, you know, said that I helped him. I, I didn't know where we were going. And I said, I said go ahead, tell me. He goes, I've smoked pot every day since I was 14. About 70% of my days spent smoking marijuana. Uh, let me tell you, this legal girl, after my conversation with other people that day, I was like, is that all? <laughs> Is that it? I didn't say that to him, but in my last thing, praise God, that's it. And um, I said, he goes, What do you think about that? Oh. Doesn't matter what I think. What do you think about it? He said, I think I have a problem. I said, Then that's where you start. How can I help? He said, I don't know. I said, I don't either. We'll, we'll walk it out together. We're still walking it out together. One week, I went and got him. His parents think I'm going to kill him because we met online. Understand this, okay? Raging Overlord spends 10 to 12 hours a, game on a, video, a day on a video game, okay? His life persona... He won't look you in the eye. He talks right here. He'll be, you barely hear anything he says. He won't look up at you. When he walks in a room, he's going to find the corner. And he's going to just kind of, re, he's going to disappear. His bedroom, okay, is a mess. He has moved his TV, his PlayStation, and a little, I think a car type seat, back seat or something like that he actually uses as a couch. And he, he has moved his physical body into the corner of his room, so he's shrinking his life away. He don't even sleep in his bed. He's 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 in a corner now. In his mind and in his world. On headset, on mic, he is a powerhouse. He is funny, he is laughing, he's commanding his troops because they take it seriously. And he's he is nobody would ever know that he's this timid, shy kid. Because he don't have to present anything when he's not near them. He's just that way. So one day I told him, I said, I want you to come to Texas. I want you to come meet my family. I want, I want to spend some time with you. I said, I will drive to get you and I will bring you back. And he goes, let's do it. Because remember, he hasn't felt safe with anybody in his life until the Lord put our paths together. And I said, okay, I'm coming I'll, I'll, I'll be there December 28th, Micah's birthday's the 27th I'll, I'll come, I'll pick you up And he goes, okay, now you have to Look at this from his parents' point of view, okay? Okay Boom Walks out into the living room Hey, I'm going to Texas with a family I met online in December And he walks right back in his room I'm getting a phone call Who are you I'm scared. Are you going to kill my kid? No, (laughs) I'm not. Is he going to kill me? He's the knife collector. (laughs) This This is kind of dangerous for both of us, but I'm just naive and I'm just crazy enough. I'm just blonde enough. I'm just in love with God enough to believe that he's going to do some ridiculously crazy, creative things with a peculiar people called after his name. I was all over this. Yes, I'm coming to Florida. I don't know how to get there. Justin went with me. Justin is my GPS guy. Yeah, praise God for Justin. We went and got him. The day before I'm going to leave to get him, his mother calls me and says, we're still not comfortable with this. I said, you and I have been talking for weeks about this. I said, have you told him you're going to keep him from coming? Because he's 19. She goes, it'll devastate him. I said, let me tell you what I'm willing to do. I'm coming. You're going to meet me. If you don't like what you see, I'm coming back to Texas without him. She's like, okay. I picked him up. I bring him back to Texas where a friendship, a divine friendship has been forged. It makes no sense to me. No sense. You, you don't know the looks I've gotten being middle-aged, picking up a 19-year-old kid? Brother, husband, can I just give kudos to him? Because if it weren't for him, a whole lot of this wouldn't have been possible. But when God calls and you answer and you step up, get ready for the crazy. He's big. God is big. But raging has taken my time. Just like the Good Samaritans, time was taken. He was going on a journey. He had plans. He was, on his, he was on the move doing stuff. I was too. My whole world has been stopped just to text this kid a few hours out of the day. And what can be said in 20 minutes in a conversation takes us, thir- takes us three hours to do in a text. He takes up a lot of my time. He offends me daily. But there's been this divine love that's been imparted into my heart. I can't get rid of it. He's part of our crew now. He's coming to stay with us this summer. He's going to take your plans. You think you're headed on a journey to go this way. Next thing you know, God's going to call you to go this way, and you've got to run the course. If you're going to be obedient and see the end of this thing through, he's going to take your money. It It costs the Samaritan to put him up. It cost him his time, it cost him his plans, and it cost him his money, and it cost him his commitment. I got to come back. I'm not just going to go on the journey and do what I was supposed to do. I got to come back and revisit this. I'm committed to this poor person that's beaten, hopefully going to make it, certainly going to have PTSD for the rest of his life when he walks down the street. I'm, I'm committed am committed to this individual that I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know the deepest, darkest parts of Ragin. His name's Eric. But I know that God's asked me to love him. When I knew that God said, love your neighbor as yourself. Guys, we got to get this love thing really down pat really well because it will be the defi- it will be the deciding factor on when somebody sees Christ in you or not. We are so quick to kick them to the curb. You bring somebody in that's, for whatever reason, she's... She's all about the men, and she knows she's got to get her life right, and she comes in, and she gets cleaned up, and she feels that adoption. She feels that family of love in the church, and everything's going great, and next thing you know, you don't see her for a couple of weeks, and she's hooked up with another guy, and we want to kick her to the curb because we feel like, well, we gave her all. No, you keep giving, and you keep giving, and you spend yourself. You spend your life for Christ. You have to spend. You have to run every ounce of you out, guys. Can I convince you today? Can I convince you to love your neighbor? And, and, because you ain't really got nothing else better to do. I mean, to the point, you're broken. If somebody were to, if, if somebody were to, if Jim were to fall, it, it would break our hearts. But if he we were to fall, would we just, uh, that's so sad. Or would you run to him and say, I'm hurting with you because I, I can only imagine what you're going through. If that were me, I'd feel ashamed. I'd feel embarrassed. I'd feel rejected. I'd feel lost. I'd feel confused. I'd wonder if God even saw that my future was going to ha- put ourselves in that person's place. If I, were, if I were to have an affair on my husband, would there be any women in the church that would come and run to me? Or would they put up their hand? If I were going to were gonna lose myself in the bottom of a bottle, would I have anybody that would rage in their love and come to me and say, "What can I?" And if I don't give it up, do you give up on me?" Because what we say to one another, after that person leaves, that pain, you know is on the inside. People don't know how to cry out for help anymore. There's too much rejection, remember? We're throwing people away. But they do know still how to cry. Don't trust anybody to help. God cares. There is nothing more pressing to God than soul's. Church buildings get put up all the time. Okay. Churches closed to become a speedy burger all the time. Okay. He wants you healthy. He wants you well. He wants you to be in your right mind. He wants you to do well. He wants you to have well things. But can I tell you, your comfort is not his top, top priority. Whether or not you got a pebble in your shoe is up to you. Take your shoe off and get it out and go on. Keep walking. But there are people in your world, in your circle, that if you would shut off yourself and let the light of Christ shine on, you'd be able to look at them and love them with a love that you didn't know God could put in you. I didn't know. I had no idea. Had God not given me this love, let me tell you, I had a stopping point. One week before he, I was going to get him, he called me and he told me something that he had done. And let me just tell you, that was my deal breaker. Can I, because I'm not Jesus and I do have conditions. You have offended my morality. You have, you have confessed to something that is no... I don't want to walk you through this. And the Holy Spirit said, that's your deal breaker. So now he's swine, and you've just thrown your pearls in front of him. That's, that's how bad he is? He hasn't even received me yet. You haven't even, you haven't even presented me to him yet. You've just come alongside him and are giving him hope. And so sinners sin, but you have a, a line that's been crossed. He's crossed your line, so now I don't get to use you anymore in the plans I have. So you're not telling him no, you're telling me no. And I was like, just <laughs> legal. That legal spirit that says, I know better, I think better, I pray better. And I can't do it anymore, church. I can't think of anything more. I want you to just really get into your spirit, okay? Because this kid is 19. He doesn't know David and Goliath. Y'all understand? You understand the generation that we have coming up do not know anything, anything. And like God said to Jonah, Nineveh, that great city, does not know its right hand from its left. And you're upset because I'm asking you to just warn them. I'm not asking you to walk with them. Well, God's asking this church And this generation of believers to walk with the lost and win the influence so you can drop the seed. And if they don't come to know him on your watch, you have put enough in that foundation that they'll come to know the Lord on the next person's watch. The problem is none of us are on the tower watching. This is where the heart of God is. Because they don't know anything. And we have got to be able to come into that response where the love is what's going to make the difference. They don't know a Bible story. They don't know their left hand from their right. They don't know. When they take God's name in vain, it's just like us saying, oh, shoot. We just, it just comes out. We don't think nothing of it. But they think nothing of it. They think nothing of sex. They think nothing of getting high. There's nothing wrong with it. Because unless it's a law against society like murder, they don't understand the grace of God. But the heart of God tells us to love. And I'm just asking that we equip ourselves with a love that rages. It really, because it's got to turn, the heat's got to turn up in intensity. We've got to do more than just passing out tracks and water bottles on the street corner. And I just tell you I'm fed up with that kind of mess. I'm I'm being real honest. I'm being real sincere because people are dying. And the saddest thing to me is that we have people that are dying in this hell and going to the eternal one. To never have known anything and they, they suffer with depression in this world. They suffer with physical ailments in this world, with back problems, make them want to take a gun and kill themselves. One of the, what, watch this. Watch the ripple effect of this. One of Ragin's friends online I've had the pleasure of meeting. He's in his 40s. He's got four kids. He had an accident 12 years ago that messed up his back so bad they had to put metal rods. Anybody that's ever had back problems, you know you're in misery every day let alone have a bunch of metal pins and rods in your back. And I asked him, I said, what are you taking? He said, the highest thing of Neurontin that I can. He goes, I used to take a lot of this and I used to take a lot of that. He goes, but I stopped because it messes me up. And he told me, he said, counselor, I promise you if crack were in the house, I'd be on it. He said, I have had four uncles and every one of them in their garage have taken a shotgun to their neck and killed themselves. He said, four uncles because bipolar runs in my family. That's, this is Eric's friend, and I'm on headset with. And if this guy never knows anything, and then he dies, that's eternity, y'all. That's a long time. We're, we're, we're frustrated about lunch being late. But eternity is why Jesus came. Because he's outside of time, and he sees it. In its entirety, and eternity is coming, and it may be coming for some of us sooner than we want it to. If you have people in your world, then God is going to give you the influence. I'm just asking for you to turn the mirror on yourself and look at yourself, take a long, hard look. and answer the call of God he says, "Yeah, I can love the unlovable." and there are no deal breakers there's there's nothing that they could say or do that could make us stop loving them because even the people that are lost in hell today still are loved but they're separated forever stand with me will you justin will you come We know that if if I could just give you three things to remember when you walk out these doors and you go into your world today and tomorrow you're walking into a society that does not care. People are trying to care in their own ways but it's getting so intense nowadays and the devil is He's doing what he do. But we live in a society where we just throw people away, and we have politicians and leaders that keep dividing and trying to separate us so that there's no unity, there's no camaraderie. We wouldn't fight for anything together because we're too busy fighting each other over stupid stuff. That's a plan of that's a principality. It's not flesh and blood. It's spiritual wickedness and principalities in high places. And we, we have to be able to be discerning enough to refuse that. So when you leave here today, remember your world is broken enough. There's a lot of people being rejected, looking to be accepted. You're the arms to open up for them. Number two, look at the world as God looks at the world in crisis, in need, and hellbound. If something don't jump right in the middle of them, He's already provided the answer. He's already He's already opened the way. The price has been paid. And remember your role in it, because you have a very important role. I, t- I tell this a lot of times. People go, "I used my dream used to be the next Joyce Meyer," and I'm gonna I go have a, a coliseum of people with cool, neat. Signs in the back with my name, and because I was going to tell everybody I've arrived with the Lord, you know what I'm saying? I don't want an Oscar, <laughs> I don't want to be anything in Hollywood, I don't care about that. But my nobility got the better of me, okay? My, my self importance got the better of me, and I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just be one of God's favorites, and I'll be up there and everybody come see me, and I, I wouldn't I, even my nobility would refuse an autograph because I told them I'm not going to sign that. But if there is one now where I am, because the Lord has stripped me and made me bare, if there is one person in this room that has grabbed a hold of this and said, I will let the love I have for God rage for somebody else, if I can make a difference in my raging's life, whoever your raging may be, and I pray you got them, I'm good. I'm good. I want to diminish so that Christ can increase. I'd really rather just be under a rock preaching if I could. I'll just hear my voice a little bit. But your role is, impi- is, is very vital because you're going to have the influence when you love people. If I were to ask you, ask you, ask you, what's you, what's the, would you tell me? What's the what's the darkest you've ever behaved? Would you tell me? If you've got freedom from that. Why don't we give other people an opportunity to be free from what they've done in the dark? Let's love them. Let's turn it up. Let's be crazy. Let's be creative. Let's be intentional. Put a mark on the heart of somebody and go get them.
1: This morning. If you, you experience, you feel the Spirit right now and, and you want prayer this morning, use this as an opportunity. If, if your heart needs to be right, if, if there's something you need to pray about, use this as an opportunity as we're pouring out love. It starts with pouring out love on each other. That's the practice, church. We not forsake the assembly of each other and we come together and we learn to love each other and that helps us as we go out and love others. She's, she, she's on to it. That's you, and you need prayer this morning. Come out. Come out. Never find yourself in the position to miss what God's doing. Never find yourself in that position to miss anything. That's you this morning. I encourage you. you New- She taps into the heartbeat of what we already are, and uh, this grand adventure that's been mosaic for the past year, this re- it's like a, a re- reformation back to uh, the beginning for many of us, uh, where for some of you, it's been a long time since you remember what it was like when you got saved. You forget how honorary you were. You forget how troubling you were. You forget, or if you're foolish enough to think that you were ever good in the first place, taps right into the heartbeat of what God is God is love and we say that and we really don't have a fully idea I've said this story before I think the craziest thing I've ever heard is when Brennan Manning talked about it God give me something new and God said don't you know that I love you and he goes yeah that's an old thing God I've heard that and he goes really you really understand my love and I don't think we do I don't think we do I don't think we appreciate God. As a matter of fact, the more I'm on social media, the more I'm pretty sure we don't. I don't the more I look at this world, I'm pretty sure we don't have an idea what love is. We, we know it's powerful. We, we absolutely understand the power of love it, as expressed through Jesus Christ. We understand that. That's why we understand movies and all these other things that show or, or present the power of love. We understand its power. But how do we tap into it when we're so incapable Let's be honest, the reason we struggle loving others is because most of us don't love ourselves. And then there's the flip side of that coin. Some of ourselves love love ourselves too much. And some of you can't, you know, one of the reasons I've always thought that the guy never helped the Samaritan, the, the, the priest in Leviticus, because they saw themselves too much higher. It took the Samaritan, the guy of lower class, to help out somebody who was low class. Maybe we wouldn't think too highly of ourselves either. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go ahead and dismiss. I'm, but, man, be loved today. Be love, And if Joni blessed you, let her know. Let her know. She's a blessing to this church. What she's doing is breaking ground in places that aren't popular. There's no, like, official ministry for that. Come on. I mean, you heard it in her message. You know how difficult that is? You know what? You already know what you know. What people would want to say to something like that? She addressed that. You know, thank God for a great husband that can understand and get behind and see the ministry. Thank God for transparency in a marriage that allows things like that ministry to take place. God doesn't give that stuff away lightly. You know, all I could help being said to me, I feel like uh, the, the word that came to me and ministered to me this morning. She didn't say this, but I really felt like it was the word she was really expressing. God's asking somebody. God is asking for you not to be a somebody for Him, but to be a nobody for Him. I mean, really let go quick give up your reputation what's that word carry the Lord be love be love they talk bad about Jesus for who he hung around but that's who needs him that's who needs him be that this week to somebody be Jesus this week to somebody Father right now we thank you Lord Father those that have been here and come and minister to us Father will you just just now put an umbrella over them God shower them with your love shower them with your mercy shower them with more teaching God of your through your Holy Spirit Father that's opened this door of ministry to them God not a popular ministry not a seen ministry but Lord the hidden one God Lord the hidden one the one that when the man goes to sleep he knows not how it grows God that one Lord the ministry of growth behind the scenes where no one gets glory but you Father, put that umbrella over them, God. Shower them, O Lord. Protect them, God. Let their light be upon all of it, God. Father, increase their love. Increase their love, God. I know that's a dangerous prayer, Father, and I know that, Lord, that would hurt us, God. But, Father, I would rather be uh, uh, broken and hurting and yet full of love than anything else. Help us, God, empty ourselves so that we can be full of you. That we may shower love, mercy, and grace upon those that you've placed around us, upon our city, our community, and our world, God. Help us return to you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we just asked while we're kind of having a little bit of altar right here, if, uh, if you just be quiet, you're more than welcome to if you need to leave go or if you want to hook somebody's neck on somebody's neck you need to get your kids and while we're having a little bit of the altars if you could just keep it quiet for just a few more minutes